Okay. Uh, dear friends, today is a legendary person in front of me. I'm really very honored. Uh, this person just showed me example of never give up. We were trying to, uh, you know, to start our connection, to start uh, streaming and meeting. So it's an astronaut. His name is Mark Mullane. Uh, I'm, uh, um, I'm pronouncing it well, Mike. Very well. Uh, your, your English is a lot better than my Russian. <laughs> I'm trying, I, I'm doing my best. Uh, he is really a life legend for me because he was three times uh, in the space. He's telling us stories from space. He's, he's member of Space Hall of Fame and he was uh, in the mission 143 times, 134 combat mission in Vietnam. And he's, besides all this, he's writing books for children and he's looking also very young. So even he was born in 1945. I don't know, maybe there is mistake. Maybe he was born not in 1945, maybe 1965, 75. So hello, dear Mike, I'm happy to see you. Oh, thank you, Olga, I'm happy to be here. My first question to you, tell me please, when you are up in the space, how does the earth look like? It's beautiful when you look out the window. Uh, most people believe uh, they see Apollo uh, photos of the Earth where you see the Earth as a complete globe. When you're on the International Space Station or in a low orbiting space shuttle uh, or on a Ru Russian spacecraft orbiting the Earth, close to the Earth, we do not see the Earth as a globe. We see it as a, we can see that it's curved, but we can't see it as a disk in space. So we're really pretty close to the earth and we can see incredibly beautiful things. Uh, at night, you see lightning flashing, you see city lights, uh, you see meteors burning up underneath you down at about 50 miles. We're up about 200 miles. So you look down to see meteors, uh, the Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights, looks like green fire hanging in the sky. You look at the stars, incredible uh, in the daytime, the oceans, you're over ocean most of the time because the world is mostly water. Uh, but you see some uh, incredible sights with thunderstorms uh, forming. Uh, you can see uh, cities uh, just in the daytime, it's, uh, they don't stand out as they do at night. At night, you see cities very easy. Uh, when you saw all this, you were surprised? It was like beyond your expectation or you already saw it a thousand times in the pictures and you say, oh my God, the same thing. What was your impression <laughs> when you were up? I was shocked at how incredibly beautiful the earth was seen from orbit. Uh, I did believe that I would not be shocked. I had seen so many photos and I just thought, well, it, it, it's not going to be that different. But when I actually looked at uh, the Earth from space, it was shockingly beautiful. I, I can't exaggerate how, how it captures the eye and captures the mind. The black of space, the blue of the oceans, the, the clouds, the white of the clouds. It, uh, the first time I actually got to see uh, that site was after we're in orbit. I was sitting behind the pilot and the, of course the rocket's going up. So you're looking straight up at, at space. It's only in the final minutes where the rocket tilts over and starts accelerating horizontal to the earth. And that's the first time I was able to see the earth. And it was 
just took my breath away at how beautiful it was. Unbelievable, unbelievable. I have goosebumps because I feel how beautiful our planet is. And I'm so honored to live on the earth, but not on the other planet, because really I, I love our planet and how lucky you are to have seen it and to tell us that thing. Uh, Mike, tell me please, uh, in the space, definitely it is a very small uh, place in the uh, station. There is not much space to move. And uh, I know it's a stupid question from the, from the kids, but uh, I cannot not ask it because I'm so interested. I'm very sorry about it. Uh, these small things like washing yourself, uh, bathroom, definitely you cannot do it. So uh, um, it, it, that means that there is not very nice smell on the station. Or <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Uh, when you're up in space uh, in weightlessness, first of all, water to do things like like bathe, to, to have water. Water is very heavy. It's very expensive to get a pound of water into orbit. So you can't be, you can't be in a bathtub or a shower uh, up in space and, and the water would float around anyway. So the only way you can bathe in space is to wet a washcloth and just wipe your skin off, um, you know, kind of rub it through your hair. But uh, I agree. Uh, <laughs> I, the first person that climbs inside the cockpit of a spacecraft after it lands from a, from a week or two in orbit with uh, maybe six, seven people aboard that haven't taken a shower, I'm sure the smell is not very, very pleasant. It would be like, like uh, sticking your, your face in an old tennis shoe or something. It's it, it, it isn't very pleasant. Uh, tell me, please, uh, when you are in such a small place and there are many people, the team, um, how you make sure that the relationship in the team is good? For example, if somebody, you know, if something happening or a small conflict, how you, because you cannot just jump out of the station. What are you doing? <laughs> Well, uh, on a space shuttle, uh, the missions were very short. A space shuttle was never designed to stay in orbit very long. It was to take people and equipment uh, to a space station and come back. So the longest space shuttle mission was probably only about three weeks. My longest mission was only a week. And uh, you, you're right about people do get on people's nerves. There's no question about it. Uh, but when you're up there for a week, it's, it's very easy to put that aside and concentrate on the mission. Now, I think what you're asking, though, would be extremely important if you're talking about a mission to Mars. If you're talking about a mission to Mars, uh, you're going to have maybe four, six people in a cockpit. Uh, I mean, it'll be bigger than, than, a, than a space shuttle, but still, that's a better, better part of a three-year journey to get to Mars and get back. And there you're gonna to have to be very, very careful about making sure that people are truly compatible because as you say, if somebody's getting on your nerves, you can't just walk out. Uh, so I think the psychiatrists and psychologists and all those people are gonna to have to come up with a way of making certain that, that the people that we send to Mars are in fact as best as possible uh, with compatibility. Do you think and if me and you go to, uh, to Mars, we will be able to be friends and not to fight as a Russian and uh, American? What do you think? You would have to. You would have to put all political, you'd have to put, put political, uh, political differences aside. Uh, you would have to, uh, you, 
there's an expression in the United States or in America that if you wanna have a friendship, you never discuss poli politics and you never discuss religion. <laughs> so you really have to, you no, really have to. That's absolutely to true. What was your biggest adventure? What was your biggest challenge when you were up there for you personally? Well, uh, the, uh, the biggest challenge on, on my three missions, I, uh, when we launched on our second mission, which was the second shuttle mission after Challenger, a piece of the, of the rocket booster broke off and hit our heat shield and damaged our heat shield uh, severely. And of course, when you're in orbit, you have to have that heat shield in, in place for, to survive reentry. So it was worrisome there. It was a challenge in the sense that you had to be able to continue, you know, to, to swallow back the fear associated with that because there's nothing you could do about it anyway. Uh, so that was, that was a little bit challenging there to kind of put it in the corner of your mind that uh, you, you could have some problems on reentry. Fortunately, the heat shield uh, stayed together. It wasn't catastrophically damaged and we were able to return safely. Uh, the big, another challenge there really is getting used to, to weightlessness. Uh, when you're up there, uh, everything is different uh, and you find yourself uh, searching for things. Here on earth, if you're missing something, you look down, uh, you've yes. dropped it, it's on a table. But up in weightlessness, we have Velcro all over the cockpit to stick things to. So if you're working and you're taking a, maybe a change of batteries in a camera and you put the batteries here on a piece of Velcro, you're tumbling and the next thing you do is you put a, something here, something there, and now comes time to put it all back together, you find yourself looking, looking all over the cockpit for it, whereas on Earth you would just look down. Uh, I found that sleeping was difficult up there. Uh, it was my body missed contact with a mattress. Uh, you, uh, you're floating inside sleeping bags and you just are tossing and turning, trying to feel something next to you, like a mattress or a pillow. So I did not sleep very well. Now I'm, I'm sure that after you are up there for months on a space station, you would get used to that. But on a week long space shuttle mission, I found the challenge of just learning how to live in weightlessness. Well, learning how to live in weightlessness was a challenge. Uh, I feel that you are missing that experience. Are you missing the space? I would love to go into space. Uh, I would love to go into space I'd like to be one of these billionaires that buy my way into space, spend maybe a couple weeks up there and then come home. I personally would not wanna to go to Mars. And personally, I would not wanna be on an international space station for, for months and months and months. I, I, I know that that wouldn't fit my personality. I'm a very active person. I wanna be outside. Um, you know, I, as you, I like the earth. Uh, I loved, I loved the time looking down at earth, but I certainly couldn't stay away from it for months and months or go to Mars. I, I would, I would never be a, a suitable candidate for spending three years away from earth. No problem. I will tell Elon Musk not to send Mike Merlin to Mars. Because <laughs> he's busy. I know you're busy writing books for kids and I know you're busy climbing mountains. How it is possible being in uh, Vietnam, then being up, then writing books for kids, then going up the mountains? Uh, it, I feel there are five, six personalities in you. Well, I'm, a, I've, I'm an active person. I like to be busy. I don't, I don't uh, never enjoyed not having something to do. So 
I, it's just my personality. I just, uh, I just like to be active. Uh, for example, <laughs> I've never been on a cruise, you know, a, a holiday cruise, never done it. And I never will, because I know it will, it, I, I will feel constrained. I can't do anything. I want to get out. Um, you know, just looking at the ocean, for example, sitting there with a beer, it doesn't appeal to me. I, I want to do something. So it's just my personality. What is your biggest regret and biggest achievement in life? Well, certainly my biggest achievement is flying in space. Uh, my biggest regret um, is that I did not get to do a spacewalk. I would have loved to have done a spacewalk, but when I was flying on the space shuttle, uh, they didn't do a lot of spacewalks because we did not have a, a, a space station. Now there's a space station and people are doing spacewalks all the time. But in the early shuttle program, we, we did not spacewalk very often. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to, to get a spacewalk. But that, that's a, a minor regret in life. If you ask me if I would do anything different, no, I would, I would be exactly the same as I am uh, because it, it ultimately allowed me to fly into space. Uh, and my last question to you, Mike, uh, about the team. I know that you train a lot of teams. You're giving a lot of uh, speeches and uh, whatever you do, as I understood, always excellent because you are an excellent student, an excellent person, and you like A's. You were studying very good in school, yeah? I did. I very hard. I was not. Uh, most people think because I'm an astronaut that I was a genius, a super person. And I was not in, in school. Uh, I was a very uh, normal kid. Uh, the one, th the thing I had going for me to achieve to be ultimately to be an astronaut was all of my focus was on space and aviation. That's all I was interested in from a very, very young age. I'm talking five years old. I was interested in rockets and I was interested in space. And when Sputnik was launched, that changed my life. I wanted to be an astronaut. Right after Sputnik, the space race started and everybody is talking about astronauts and I wanted to be an astronaut. And I was able to focus all of my energies from a very young age on getting into aviation, getting into rocketry and hopefully someday being an astronaut. So that was a very, very uh, important difference that I had from other kids having this focus at a very, very young age. Gagarin was a great example for you, yeah? You, you, you... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, I, my dad was a World War II aviator. And so I had that background uh, through him in an interest in aviation. But what changed my life really was when Russia launched Sputnik. That changed my life. Because to that point, everybody talked about space and going into space. But it was all science fiction. It was, you know, nobody was doing it. It was all science fiction movies. And then all of a sudden to wake up and find that Russia had put a satellite in orbit around the earth and opened up the space race. That was a very, very exciting thing for me. I was fully invested in the space race and I wanted to someday ride a rocket into space. You did it. You're a champion. <laughs> Tell me, please, this is really the last question for the team. How to make a good team? This is more the advice for business people, even for the families, because in the family, I, they're also team. Yeah, I tell you, if you want a, uh, a great team, whoever is the team leader needs to make sure that they value the perspective, the, the vision of everybody on the team and welcome it. 
In other words, as a leader, you say to people, I cannot be the best unless I have all of you bringing your best to the table. I want to see through your eyes. If you have an idea, if you have a concern, bring it to me. When I can see through everybody's eyes, then we can, I can lead this team being a, a terrific team. And if you're a team member, your responsibility is to make sure you count. Uh, we are all different. Uh, I, what I tell corporate corporations is if you're a team member, see something, say something, do something. Don't assume somebody else is going to bring an idea to the table. You bring it to the table. You count. I once saw a quote by uh, somebody famous uh, in it. I don't remember who, but it was a great quote. It said, one person with courage forms a majority. In other words, one person can make all the difference on a team if they make sure they count and they get their perspective to the table for the leadership and the team to take a look at it. That is so wonderful. You know, I want you to live uh, more 100 years and to stay that positive, that young, that curious. I really don't know what is your secret. Um, uh, <laughs> well, believe me. It was Sputnik and it was Russia. Now I don't know what is your motivation and who is inspiring you, but really you are doing great and you're looking great and you're such a positive person. Well, thank, thank you, Olga. And, and you look great too. <laughs> Merci beaucoup. Thank you so much. That was okay. a big pleasure. Uh, I'm okay. very happy, very happy to know you. That is a big honor for me. Thank you so oh. much. All the well, best. Thank you. Thank bye you. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye.